0: I invite you to be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It's Reformation Sunday. So for all you hardcore Lutherans out there, uh, what were you thinking about when you were coming here today or as you were logging in at home? What were you expecting to hear today when it comes to the Reformation? Or what would you like to hear? Because, my friends... I've got multiple sermons prepared for today. It's kind of like a multiple-choice sermon, and you can decide which way we go, all right? I got a a variety of themes here. I went old school and put them on three-by-five cards, all right? So how about this one? This is the standard sort of pulpit approach to the history of the Reformation. It is entitled, Martin Luther, Hero of the Reformation, All right. This option talks about how Martin Luther started it all with the 95 Theses, October 31st, 1517. It talks about how bad the Roman church was and how much people wanted to hear the word of God and how wildly successful Luther and his colleagues were. And in this sermon, in this theme, in this option that we could preach on this morning, history clearly shows that God is on our side and that the Lutherans will triumph. All right. Option number one. All right. Option number two, let's go to this second option. This option builds on the first option, but brings it to kind of modern times, bring it to the present day. We might call this thing, how do I word it? Oh, yes. Isn't it great to be Lutheran, all right? We have it all, right? We've got the pure word of God. We've got the real sacraments. We have the pure doctrine, genuine Christian freedom. It's all ours, and we're going to keep it, all right? Option number two. Option number three. It's a little different than the first two options. It's kind of the, remember, the church is always in need of reformation. It's the always reforming option, okay? Yeah, Martin Luther, he was, a, he was a hero, and yeah, it's great to be a Lutheran, but we also need to recognize our mistakes. We need to see and to grab on to the opportunities that we have to change and to improve. We can't become complacent. After all, it's the reformation, Right? And Reformation is about taking radical action, that we need to start a revolution, and we can do this because we're going to reform everything that's bad in our midst. All right? Always reforming. So option number one, Martin Luther, hero of the Reformation. Option number two, isn't it great to be Lutheran? Or three, always reforming. Which one should it be, my friends? Actually, all the people online, I know there are thousands online watching. I should have put a virtual poll out there. But, um, oh, wait, wait, wait. Forgot. There's one more option here. I forgot. Option number four. Sorry, I forgot to mention it. Uh, can you see what's written on option number four out there? Anybody see that? Can you see it? No? Okay. I heard it. Nothing. In the other service, they said nada. They were bilingual over there. All right. So, nothing. Okay. That's an interesting option. There's nothing written on it, it's blank. No words. The words have been excluded, you might say. That's kind of interesting. It's kind of a curious, kind of curious about this one. Sort of intriguing. All right, so which will it be? Number one, Martin Luther, hero of the Reformation. Number two, isn't it great to be Luther? Number three, always reforming. Or number four, it's blank. I hear that. Amen. We're going with that one vote back there, okay? All right, number four back there. You said it the loudest. That's what we're going. All right? I had four sermons prepared, so I'm ready for every, for every one of them. All right, so we're going to look at this. Number four, no words, nothing written, no talk, no pictures. The info, the theme has been excluded. Or has it? Maybe this empty space here is actually really quite in line with the classic Reformation text from Romans chapter 3 that we read nearly every Reformation. If you've got your Bibles, you might want to look it up. We're going to touch down here and there in it. Because you see in Romans chapter 3 verse 19, it says this. It says, every mouth silenced. Silenced, that means no talking. That means no words written or spoken. The words are excluded. So maybe a three-by-five card with no words on it is the perfect theme for Reformation. You see, for those first three themes, while starting out innocent, oftentimes innocence can turn to a lot of talk. Oftentimes, we'll take a good thing and we'll twist it and sort of distort it. And the next thing you know, our ugly pride raises its head and we begin to boast. There's been a lot of boasting lately in the world. Have you seen it out there? As we approach the election, it can be almost sickening, the hubris, the pride, the attaboys, the patting yourself on the back, people with the same exact opinion going round and round and round with each other, creating this sort of insular narrative. It kind of puts down all other perspectives, puts down all other people. It looks with disdain upon all those who are different. It creates division instead of unity. And I'm not just talking about politics or the public realm. It, it happens in families, right? It happens in workplaces. It happens in schools. It happens in the neighborhood. It happens even in church. Arrogance, pride, boasting. Boasting has a way of doing that. I heard a preacher once talk about opposites, and he said one way to think about opposites is to say that two things that are opposite cannot occupy the same space at the same time. So like light and darkness cannot fill the same space at the same time. You can't have growing light that is driving back darkness and at the same time growing darkness that is pushing back light. Same for maybe love and hatred. Maybe you could say for truth and error and a whole bunch of different things like that. Opposites cannot occupy the same space at the same time. Now, on this Reformation Sunday, I was thinking about it a little bit, that we can recall the three solas of the Reformation, the big three. They're grace alone, sola gratia, faith alone, sola fide, and scripture alone, sola scriptura. But in Romans chapter 3, Paul is focusing on that second one a lot, sola fide, faith alone. And so maybe this morning we could ask the question, what is the opposite of faith? What's the opposite of faith? Now, in a kind of really obvious way, if you just put your head down and read the text or you look up at the screen, it seems like that works is the opposite of faith. Romans 3 verse 28, for we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Faith gets us into a right relationship with God. It gets us right in the sight of God not works. But let me ask the question again and maybe offer a slightly different, nuanced answer. What is the opposite of faith? What cannot occupy the same space as faith at the same time as faith? And it would seem that in our text in Romans chapter 3 that an answer to that question is boasting. Romans 3 verse 27, where then is boasting, Paul says, it is excluded. It's shut out. There's no room for it. Boasting is the opposite of faith. They cannot occupy the same space at the same time. Now, why would that be? I'd offer up two things. First, boasting spends all of its time looking in the wrong direction, looking at the wrong thing. Like the parable uh, that Jesus gave about the Pharisee and the tax collector. Luke chapter 18 says this, It says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and who looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. He said, two men went up to the temple to pray. One is a Pharisee, that's a religious leader, and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like the other people robbers and evildoers and adulterers, or even like this tax collector, God. God, I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. I, 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 I. The boasting is obvious Their Boasting spends all of its time looking in the wrong direction, looking at self, comparing self with others. Now, there are two kind of ways this works, depending on what some say in the psychological world about neurosis or character disorder. I think I got that right. And I heard it once said that the difference is that a neurosis makes you unhappy and a character disorder makes everyone else unhappy. That is, you can boast and look in the wrong direction and look at yourself and despise the people around you, or you can boast and you can look in the wrong direction and look at yourself and despise yourself, but either way, both are boasting. They're looking in the wrong direction. They're looking at the wrong thing. It's the very opposite of faith. And I bet that every one of us could stop and think of someone right now, maybe at work, maybe at home even, maybe in your school or maybe at church, and we could admit that we've been been boasting. We've been comparing ourselves to them, perhaps even despising them boasting is the opposite of faith it drives out faith because you're looking in the wrong direction and the second thing about boasting is this boasting talks it loves to talk it uses a lot of words it uses a lot of words about itself and these words are like i i i me 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 my 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 just like the parable the pharisee and the tax collector that parable reveals that we can get pretty clever with it right We can put a costume over the eye, which is appropriate. It's Halloween, right? We can cover up the boasting. We can put a costume on it and cover it up so it looks very religious, just like the Pharisee praying in the temple for all those sinners out there. What sort of boasting costumes do you like to put on? I'll start first. I got three. Here are some that I hate to admit that I've worn. The Orthodox Lutheran theologian costume. I've worn this costume and belittled my brothers and sisters in Christ in different denominations because of their inferior theology. Or the overly simplistic Christian cliche costume. I've worn this costume and I've thrown out cliche Christianese to my fellow believers who are going through the hardest times in their lives. Instead of listening, instead of grieving with them, I've talked. How about the hypermoralistic, holier holier-than-thou costume? I've worn that costume, and I've made other people feel like they aren't welcome in the body of Christ because of the things that they've said, done, or thought. I've worn many more costumes. When I wear those costumes, those boasting costumes, I'm comparing myself often with others. I'm focusing on myself and my rights and my vision and my passion and why I'm right and they're wrong. I'm boasting. Boasting talks. Boasting is a lot of noise. Boasting looks in the wrong direction. And that's why the law has to come in. Romans chapter 3, verse 19 says this. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law so that every mouth, Pharisee and tax collector, Jew and Gentile, every mouth may be silent. Maybe shut. And the whole world held accountable to God. Where there is boasting, faith cannot remain. Boasting, as it grows, little by little, it wars against faith. Paul said in verse 27 he says, Where then is boasting? He says, It is excluded. Better yet, it was excluded. But how did it happen? Because of what? Because of what law? The law that requires works? No. Because of the law that requires faith. So what is it about faith that has excluded boasting? Faith looks at the right thing. Faith looks at the right direction. Faith looks to the cross. Faith looks to Christ. Faith looks away from self. Faith looks at God in Jesus Christ. And what do you see when you see Jesus? You see, sacrifice, a sacrifice by which guilt and filth are taken away. His bloody death was enough to make us clean. You don't have to look at yourself to check. You don't have to look in the wrong direction. You don't have to check to see if you're clean enough by your works. Look at Christ, the sacrifice that cleanses us. Paul said in Romans chapter 3, verse 25, says, God presented Christ. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by boasting, by works, no, by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness. Faith looks to Christ. Faith looks to his righteousness given to us. And my friends, as we're talking about in John chapter 8, that is freedom. We don't have to be slaves to the constant one upmanship, the constant comparing, the boasting about myself to somehow make myself better because it doesn't work and it only makes you miserable and others miserable. Boasting looks to self, faith looks to Christ. Boasting talks a lot, faith listens, faith hears here's the freeing words of Jesus. Jesus said to Paul these words, and he says to you right now, 2 Corinthians 12, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul declared that with his entire life because he knew it in his entire being that he had done absolutely nothing to earn the love of Christ. That's why he says in 3.27, where then is boasting? It's excluded. It's gone. And so maybe, maybe the blank card, maybe that's perfect for Reformation Sunday. On this blank card, it lists everything that we have to boast about in the sight of God, which is nothing. This blank card lists everything we can do to contribute to our salvation. Nothing. But it also lists every sin that is held against us. Not one. It was all put on Jesus and his righteousness given to us by faith. Not by boasting, by faith. Sola Fide. Faith alone. Amen? Amen.